Welcome back to the Hidden Jewels podcast. I'm Karna Atkinson and Roxanne Parks and I are so excited to welcome our friend Michelle Ron today. She is a treasure and you are going to be so inspired to run to Jesus faster. Let's get to it. Michelle, I am so, so grateful to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Michelle, you got highly recommended, so I cannot wait to hear you share how God's been faithful in your life like he's been in Karna's and mine. Thank you. It's it's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to talk about him and the kingdom of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So Michelle, you've been married for 54 years. You have two daughters and five perfect grandchildren. Five perfect ones. Yes, Yes. I do. Such a blessing. (laughs) It is. um, So I can't wait to hear about all the things that the Lord has um, prompted your heart to talk about today. And um, I know we had discussed starting with the Columbine school tragedy so many years ago. Right. Let's just get to it right there. It is. And and it's um, I know that this starts heavy into our conversation, but it it was pivotal in my life journey, um, as it was for so many of us. But the Columbine tragedy broke my heart. Literally, Mm -hmm. I taught one of the killers for four years. My husband and my daughter coached with the teacher he murdered. And upon hearing Dylan Klebold and Dave Sanders' name, I suffered a heart attack Mm. and spent the next six days in ICU. And at that time, God and I had every every conversation that I possibly could possibly uh, the tears were so many they I cried until I could cry no more and um, I was supposed to sing at one of the services for one of the students but of course the doctor wouldn't even let me have the tv on in the room Um, so after six days I came out of the hospital and with that, my my conversation with God had been, Father, this is just devastating to so many of us to hear on this earth that what in the world do you want me to take away from this? What do you want me to do? And because right now everything is so heavy and living in the Columbine area, going to the grocery store, going to the gas station, everything was just heavy. It was it was awful. And until 9-11 happened, then people understood the way that we felt in Columbine because you couldn't even talk about it. But I came out with a philosophy of Vonette Bright. And Vonette Bright was Bill Bright's wife and loved her, just loved her philosophy and so many things. But the one that has taken to my heart was the fact that God has me living means that he still has something left for me to do. And so my prayer was, show me what that is, Father. I had retired the year before. Now, keep in mind, please don't misunderstand. I did not teach at Columbine High School, but I taught at the elementary school. And you may think, well, yeah, that's no big deal. However, Dylan was one of 23 students called CHIPS, Challenging High Potential Individual Students. These 23 kids started in second grade together, stayed together until the end of sixth grade 
grade where they went to middle school and high school. But our staff continued to meet with them once a month because we there were only two schools in our huge county of Jefferson County that had chips. And we wanted to follow these kids. So we we knew, we thought we knew these kids very, very well. And it, um, the year of the senior year of Dylan, when this happened, the, the it, Columbine happened on a Tuesday, and the Saturday before, Dylan doubled in prom, went to go to prom with one of the girls from the Chips class. The night before Columbine, Dylan was playing fantasy baseball with one of the kids in the 23. It was devastating to all of us that um, we thought we knew him. And so um, all of these shootings and all of the tragedy, God promises in Isaiah to carry us, to carry me. And that's all that I could do was to trust that he will carry me and he will carry us. The, The horribly sad part in in heart and soul is that all of these devastating shooties from then until just recently, they refer back to Columbine. And what a tragedy that is. And I need you to know that, and I didn't know Eric at all, but Dylan's parents were good parents. They were good parents. And, you know, um, my only explanation when people ask me how and why is Satan. And Satan, there is a spiritual warfare totally going on. And Satan got a hold of, of Dylan, in my opinion. And he made horrific choices, which is why when I came out of Columbine, I became passionate about those choices, which is how I went into MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. And we'll talk about that in a little while. But um, we're told to pray continually, which I did. And Columbine happened in April. And in June of that year, I met up in California with two of my childhood friends. And all three of us had been through some pretty icky major stuff. And so we talked a lot and and we were 55 at the time. And so eventually our conversation led to, okay, okay, what do we want to do when we reach that great apex age of 60? That we've never done before. And so one of my friends wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro on her 60th birthday. And she did. Wow. My other friend wanted to do a cross-country bike trip during her 60th year. And she did. I came bounding home from California with the marvelous news to my family. Guess what I'm going to do when I'm 60? And they went, what, mom? Well, now keep in mind, my girl, it's great in some families. It's absolutely great. But in our family, the words beauty pageant didn't even have vocabulary words. So when I said, I'm going to enter Miss Senior Colorado when I'm 60, and they all went, right, mom, sure you are. But, you know, it was a goal. And my prayer, my prayer immediately was when I had the desire about the senior queenie thing, I prayed, Heavenly Father, I know that you're dealing with war and I'm asking you for sequins, but if this is something that can further your kingdom and further your will for my life journey, then please show me how. Well, I mean, it almost became comical how he provided. I mean, truly. 
But it also brought out how Satan was very, very active because when we say that we are loving our Lord Jesus Christ, Satan takes that as a warrior and comes after us. Ten days before the uh, national uh, pageant, when after I won Miss Senior Colorado and I'm going to Las Vegas for the national, my guitar broke. Now, my guitar was my security blanket when I was competing, and it's just so amazing. I, I happened to be at church that night for choir, and I was sharing that news about my guitar, and out of the blue, Dick Schultz, who I didn't know Dick very well, but he was with the praise team, and we have a mega church, so I really didn't know Dick, but he says he's passing by, and he said, you can take mine, and I went, I mean, God, what God brings us to, he equips us for. It is simply that. He will move mountains for us if we are in his will, if we are testimony. Our testimony is in love with him. And Dick gave me, now I'd love to tell you that I would have offered my guitar, but I'm not sure I would to take it on an airplane. And Dick had a Taylor guitar, which is huge. It's a beautiful guitar. But when God puts me where he wants me, he will provide whatever it is, whether it be the bling of a gown, which I couldn't afford a gown for anything. It, it, it just, it was amazing to me. So it, that journey truly affirms my belief that what God brings us to, he equips us for, and he, even if it is silly as a beauty pageant, and he has a great sense of humor. And Miss Senior America, as you have heard, I think, is in its 41st year, and it's a fabulous organization. And I, I love the fact that maybe you already know this. Debbie might have shared this, but our oldest contestant was Stella Vanu Kirkland from Pennsylvania, actually, from Pennsylvania, entered the pageant at that marvelous age of 99 no. Yes, she learned to tap dance at age 80. And no. so when people say, well, no, I can't enter because I don't have any, I don't have any talent. Well, yes, you do. And no, there is not a swimsuit competition. So come on, honey, let's get going here and show the world that um, God is in charge. And, and, you know, the important thing about that crown is we need to just put it as a mantra in our heart that when the chief shepherd appears, each one of us will rec will receive that crown of glory. And that's the crown. That's the crown that works for his kingdom. So it's it's been a great journey and certainly one that I've learned a lot about. Well, Michelle, when you said that you that beauty pageants weren't in your um, vocabulary, vocabulary right. it wasn't, wasn't really in your life plan no. before you were 55 no. at least. And mm -hmm. you had the conversation with the girls. But I'm inspired by... Just kind of almost throwing that, if we could do anything we want at 60, what would it be? I'm inspired with that thinking. If we could, what would it be? And if our hearts align with God and it and it's further usefulness, I just love that you went for it. And uh when I you know that I I I have done the crown and the pageant and the sash thing too. And I remember one of the very first things that um, I would, a friend shared with me because I had a little tough time with the crown. I didn't want to be prideful. I didn't want right. to be like walk in the room and I'm the queen. You know. And this girl said, Roxanne, you've got to teach. 
change your opinion of that crown. And instead of wearing it as the queen, you need to wear it as the humble daughter of the king and show up. And I just thought the humble daughter of the king. And, you know, he alone is worthy, but he gives us the crown. And then, of course, we are to lay it as his feet. So early on in my journey, uh, Michelle, I just thought, I'm going to take this crown I'm going to lay it at his feet because he alone is worthy. And I love when you said uh, what he carries us, what he brings us to, he will kind of carry us through and that there's purposes in, in, I love when you said um, not only it's not like whether you're walking across America or going to Mount Kilimanjaro in a pageant. I love when you said he's kind of got a sense of humor. It almost could be anything. He does. He does for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine when you told your family, I'm going to be in a pageant in five years, they're like, what? Well, and it was about the year before that I turned 60. One of my son-in-laws said to me, Michelle, you're not really going to do that, are you? And I said, you know, I am. I am. If this is... If this is something that will honor my Lord um, in this gown that has been given to me, um, which he provided for, then how in the world could I say no to that? I love how uh, Columbine and the tragedy of that, you said amidst tragedy, ask God what you could learn and take away because I think if age brings wisdom and and ultimately we're all to be sanctified under his greater glory, I think picking up what we could learn through brokenness, tragedy, and everything is, is really a huge opportunity that I think some people get so bitter and sad and depressed, they forgot to um, uh, gain wisdom and value out of something horrible. I will tell you... And I see it in the world so much, as as I'm sure you do, that after Columbine, after any tragedy, and when I speak to, to, to groups, I say that tragedy can be a divorce. It can be a difficult boss. It can be a job that doesn't work out. It can be a, a um, really difficult teenager. All of those are, are super, super hard to work with. And if I had stopped after tragedy, after Columbine with the tragedy, and just stopped, period. I'm sure that I would be devastated and depressed and gone because it eats away at your, it, it eats away at your heart and soul. You must move one step at a time. And I don't even say one day at a time because sometimes those days are so long. Yes. And so it's one step. And at the, at the age that I am now, and I'm in the last quarter of my life for which I'm grateful, but I'm 79. And when, when I speak to groups, uh, which are honestly a lot of um, senior groups, and I never use the word old. I am experienced. I'm 79 years experienced, and which one of those years do you want to hear about? But I say to them, you know, I became passionate about choices after Columbine, and choices, yes, that young people are making. But those choices also are for our age, because as we age towards going to home to live with Jesus, we're facing things physically that we've never had to face. We might be facing things in a living situation that we never thought we would be facing. So those choices become very, very important no matter what age we are, no matter what age. So, yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think so many people think 
And they don't think that the, the value of a small choice can make a huge difference in everybody, in yourself. And when you, when, and, and, and I'm, this is something else I'm writing down. I'm not old, but I'm experienced. I am. <laughs> and I'm proud of it. And because the word old, in fact, when I won the Queenie thing, um, I would call for a radio interview with somebody or whatever, and they'd hear my age, and they automatically put a picture of an old person up there, which I obviously didn't work for them. But then my question was, could I come and visit with you in person? Because it, 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 it's a stigma that we aren't old. We are, we're here. God's using us. What do you want us to do? And I can help you understand that. So give me a chance. So what were you teaching in school? Music, top music. Yep. Education, um, you know, I, I went into teaching when I loved it, and I went out when I loved it. And when I was in college 100 years ago, in my opinion, there were three choices. I could go into education, nursing, or secretarial. And I chose to go into education. And I'm forever, forever thankful that God placed me with students and so forth. But the fun thing was I entered... Um, my first job of teaching in Colorado, in Jefferson County. And um, in those days, there was no music curriculum, which means I was flying by the seat of my pants. And secondly, I was a vocal major in college, and that means that I only played enough piano for proficiency. But when I got a class of students in front of me, and I'm trying to play the piano, my eyes had to be on that piano, but meanwhile, the kids are hanging from the ceiling over here. So I, it was, it was awful. And I almost quit um, and prayed about what I should do. Well, along comes one of my sixth graders and I'll never forget it. It was my second year of teaching, first year of marriage. And Ruthie Salzgeber comes up to me after class and Ruthie had these long pigtails and she was so sweet. She said, Mrs. Ron, you don't play the piano so good. <laughs> I said, you're right, Ruthie. I sure don't. And she then said, do you want to borrow my guitar? And I said, well, sure. Now, keep in mind, this is 1968. And in uh, those days, no teacher played the guitar. No woman played the guitar. And the next day, Ruthie brings in what's called an F guitar. It's a, it's a country western, big old guitar. And she says, my mom says, and this is September, said, my mom says you can keep this until the end of the year. Well, so I had this guitar. And would you know that, because God provided this, on Channel 6, PBS, every Wednesday night was Learn to play the guitar with Laura Weber. It came out of San Francisco. And so the fun thing was, all I had to do was hold that guitar, play three chords, which were easy to learn, play three chords. The kids thought I was a rock star because it was so new. I mean, it really was a godsend, a true godsend. So you know what God brings us to? He equips us for, and um, I've I've loved it. But yeah, the guitar um, I've used all these years for uh, for singing because, and I don't play classical. I just play the chords to accompany. But it's been a good venue, good venue, and I'm thankful. <laughs> so when you uh, went to Miss Senior Colorado, did you play the guitar and sing, or I just I did? Yep, and because... at, and at nationals. 
Oh yeah. I, I did the same thing. And the fun thing, here's another way that God worked. There are, I have a t- one talk that I can give all the ways that God provided for this senior thing, senior Queenie thing. But um, I, I sang angels among us and uh, that was, it's a song by Alabama, but I changed the ending um, a little bit. And so when I went to national, I was told that I had to get permission from the composer and um, I had no idea in the world how I was supposed to do that. I'd never done that. Well, at the time, and I had retired, I was teaching teachers discipline and I go into a school and I, at the time I'd received that information from senior America. I went into this school to speak about discipline and I went into, I always started with the music teacher's room because that's my comfort zone. So went into her room and she was sitting at the computer and she said, Oh, just a minute, Mrs. Ron, I'll be right with you. She said, I'm speaking to this composer. I went, You're speaking to a composer. And afterwards, Needless to say, God provided this teacher to connect me on a computer, which I had no idea how to use, with Becky Hobbs, who was the composer, uh, one of the composers of Angels Among Us. And she gave me permission to sing that. And after I won, I sent her the uh, video of it. And it's, uh, again, what God brings us to, he equips us for. No matter what, if it serves his purpose and his kingdom, it's in his will if we will ask. But we we have to seek and knock and ask. You know, that's, don't forget that. I love, I love the seek, knock and ask. Right. We, I think we think that the yellow floaty slip should drop out of the sky and, and give us the answer on our front porch. We open the door. There's the answer. I think when we beckon God for his will and his purposes, and they also align with our hearts, I mean, it's not like he's going to be able to do his will and his purpose through something that's not already given to me as a strength or a desire. I love this. Seek, ask, knock, seek, ask, knock, seek, ask, knock. And God, before we were born, we all know that he has, he had the journey for us. He has my name. He has your name on the palm of his hand. And those are visual. I'm a very visual learner. And I really love that. And the fact that he planned my life journey before I was born. My job is to seek his will, to follow that path, to to stay on it. And if I'm getting off that path, Father, bring me back full circle. Bring me back. Show me what it is, but don't let me keep going the wrong way and help me to do that. And the old, you know, that MOPS is one of the organizations that became very important to me because after Columbine, I thought, what in the world can I do, God? You know, and again, I emphasize that Dylan's parents were good parents, but I thought to myself, Young mommies now in the, that 1999, they go in the hospital to have this little baby for Christ, for his purpose, for his journey, for his life. And they're they're released 24 hours later. When I went in the hospital to have my girls, I stayed for four days. I mean, not only... I, I didn't like to babysit. I loved to teach and I could handle my kids in the classroom. But this little baby was a huge, huge thing for me to learn. I learned how to feed her, to bathe her. I learned how to nurse her. Um, it was those things are primary. And so MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers, 
became very important to me. And for 11 years after Columbine, I was a mentor mom for MOPS. And I believe in the organization. Um, it teaches, it's, it is a Christian organization, but you don't have to be Christian to be in it. And it's a gathering of women who are on their life journey, just as you are with these, with these babies. And it's a, it's a nurturing, it's a teaching, teaching situation that is, that's wonderful. And I, I love it. I believe in it completely. Well, I wasn't around a MOPS program at all as a young mother, but I speak at them now. Good. And I love when you said, I can I can teach in the classroom and I can teach others, but they sent me home with this baby. Right, right. And then you said something about the little babies mm-hmm. will teach us. Mm-hmm. So if a new mom is listening to this, um, I know we have this incredible love for our babies, but we're actually a little kind of stressed out and overwhelmed due to all of it. And I love the fact that you invite a listener and a young mom to know this little baby will teach you so much. And I believe those little babies expand us. Oh, for sure. So much. There's a love we've never known about until we mother. And I just think that it's expansive in, in every way, in direct proportion to how difficult it is. It might be difficult, but it's also expansive. Absolutely. We also need to recognize that, that you and I have felt that with our child, but there are moms who who are very stressed with this child. And the expectations for moms today my brain can't even wrap around. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we think we're supposed to be perfect and I'm supposed to know this, but that's why MOPS is a wonderful, wonderful organization because I don't know this. I need some help. And I'm going to have eight women at my table or however the MOPS group does it. And I'm going to have a mentor mom who is an experienced mom um, plus a speaker to, to give me information. It's so important. I think with this this darn technology and this phone thing and Facebook and everything else, moms, moms are facing things that surely my generation never had. We we faced a lot, but it wasn't in our face like like it is today. So I would urge any of them, um, any of them to to go on for sure. I love that, Kali. So much gold. So much gold. Um oh, so Karna is mom to six. I can't imagine, Karna. <laughs> I'm mom to four. She's mom okay. to six. And then God put this beautiful icing on her cake. Her youngest is Phoebe, and she's special. Uh, well, they're all special. But mm-hmm. I have loved watching Phoebe teach Karna things in life. Uh, Karna, do you, did you mind that I interjected about sweet oh, Phoebe? No, I always love to talk about Phoebe. She, Phoebe, um, I love the name. Yeah. Love the name. How old is Phoebe? Phoebe is seven and she oh. has, she has Down syndrome and okay. um, she changed our life. And so, yeah, I wondered, you know, just as um, a mom and I'm still in the trenches and I know that uh, so many of our listeners are as well. What are some of the things that you would um, 
give us as a mentor mom okay. um, that we need to know? <laughs> I'd love to visit about that. I want. I do want to ask, and I'm sure you've probably read the book, um, Karna, um, written by Dale Evans. It's a very old book, but it's called Angel Among Us. Um, I don't know that I've read that one. Okay. Karna's, Karna's the kind that will order it tomorrow. I I might, I might have the title wrong, but it's written by Dale Evans. It was a beautiful, beautiful book. Oh, I know what it is, Karna. It's Angel Unaware. Mm -hmm. Angel Unaware. Yeah. Great one. So yes, back to the the question that my mom and the mentor mom, yes, would ask, um, they would often ask, all of we mentor moms, if there was one thing that you could change, what would it be? Mm, And I, I have thought about that and pondered about that a lot. And I'm an only child, um, growing up and, um, grew up, gosh, in circumstances that, uh, at times were difficult, but I never thought they were difficult because I had this great mom, um, that was, um, who I look back on as, a God-given for sure. But my answer would be, I would rely on Jesus far more and earlier, earlier in my life than I ever did. Um, because, um, and, and Von, Vonette Bright has a quote, I'm, I'm trying to think. Oh, I think she, she said in the same context, she said, I would run to Jesus faster. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's especially today, we're supposed to be this perfect mom, this perfect person. And we we have these expectations put on us. But immediately, anything, we, we can pray for anything. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too large. Father, show me what it is that you want me to do. Um, the bracelet that I have is what would Jesus do? And those have been around forever. But to me, again, it's a visual reminder. Okay, Jesus, this is this is really awful for me. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It could be as simple as my teenage kid is wanting to go to the movies or to the mall with somebody that I really don't want them to go. What do I do in that case? Um, I need to talk to Jesus before. And the, my comment is, Heavenly Father, put the words in my mouth, or please don't put the words in my mouth. You know, it's we must turn to Him first, and that doesn't come naturally, unless you've been doing it all your life. But it's a habit that can be learned. And it's so important. What would Jesus do? What, Father, what would you do? What would you have me do? Bring me a person to tell me or let me read what it is that you want me to do. Um, it, it's, it's just so important. So that would be the, that would be one thing that I would tell them. But I also would tell them, you know, we... I don't want you to confuse unanswered prayer with unheard prayer because there are lots of times that I think God is not answering my prayer. And I'll give you an example. I love my husband dearly of 54 years, but I prayed for 25 years for him to come to church. Never, never stop praying. Because God hears those prayers. And in his timing, in his timing, he will answer those prayers. Or he may not until I see him face to face. But he has heard my prayer. And again, back to my being a visual person. um, As a director of musicals for 100 years, 
I can tell you that if you sit out in front of one of my productions and the curtain is down and the curtain is beginning to open, I am counting on the fact that you are going to see this great production in front of you because we've worked hard. But I can guarantee you behind that back curtain, there's chaos. There is people going from point A to point B and get to point C and point D and then get out on that perfect stage. There is chaos. Remember Daniel, wasn't it Daniel who for 21 years, his prayer was not answered because because there was this angel who was doing this spiritual warfare on Daniel's behalf. And one more example, when I was newly married, I was so blessed and fortunate to hear Corey Ten Boom at the Reformed Church in downtown Denver. And um, again, this is 50, 53 years ago. And as Corey was speaking, she was on the platform of this church, but she was also doing needlepoint. And she would be continually talking, but she would be doing her needlepoint. And it wasn't distracting, but, you know, obviously in our heads, we're thinking, you know, what, what is she doing? And she would reach for this thread or that thread, and she would be just continuing like this. At the end of her talk, she turned that piece of work around to the back of it, and she would hold it up. And when you looked at this artwork, this needlework, all you saw were all these different strands just going everywhere. It made no sense. It made no sense. And she would say to us, that's how we see our lives. Because sometimes it makes no sense. And then she would turn the piece of needlework around. And there would be this beautiful beautiful picture. And then she would say, this is how God sees us. This is his plan for our life. It's in his timing. And, you know, when Garth Brooks came out with that song, Unanswered Prayer, you know, I can look back. That's why that guy didn't ask me to marry him. That's why I didn't get that job. That's why I didn't get into that group. Because it was God's plan that I not, but I must seek him first. You know, it's just been such a great journey. And so young people, seek God first before you do anything. And secondly, keep praying. Because even though you may not realize that you have this prayer that you think is unanswered, God is working on it. And in his timing. In his timing, his will will be done, but we must follow and seek his purpose. And so thankful that he allows me to do it. And you were talking about, we were talking about different authors and so forth. John Wooden is one of my very favorite authors to read. John Wooden was the, the basketball coach of UCLA men's basketball. Phenomenal Christian, loved his Lord, loved his Lord right into his 90s. And uh, if you look anything up about him, you will have quotes that are just incredibly wonderful, God-given quotes. But one that I treasure, just he, he has so many, but he was asked by the reporter, how do you know what to do? And out of his mouth, 
besides giving credit to God, he said, because it's the right thing to do. And we live in a world where we need to question sometimes what's happening. God, what is it that you want? Show me what it is because I want your right thing to do. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. I think if we would pause uh, before making a crazy decision, even the decision, our response, like our response could be right um, uh, to be offended or to be angry or to be bitter. And if we would pause going, what what would be the right thing? And it's never right to get ugly, angry, bitter, or even. Um, love is always right. So, oh my gosh. Well, so I could, yeah, just one quick thing when you were talking about that. When I was teaching teachers discipline, one of the things that I would suggest to them was go and we need to we need to talk to this student that is having a problem. We need to talk him to him or her eye to eye. But I want you just to go and stand there and just say nothing. Just say nothing until you are calm, until you have kind of resolved. And meanwhile, that kid over there that's next to you, she's thinking, how come she's so quiet? She's going to, what is she going to do? So it gives that kid time to resolve too, because otherwise, if we come head on to a headstrong student, there's no winner. There's no winner in that. So yes, to be calm is good. What wise words pause to walk in love and patience and kindness. It's our heart here on the podcast to walk with the wise women so that we too can become wise. And that's my prayer for you today, friend, that you are growing in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord as you listen to these women that have gone ahead of us. Make sure you check out the show notes so that you can find out ways to connect with Michelle and with Roxanne and me. And until next time, You are a precious jewel in the eyes of Jesus. Your story matters. Let the world see you so that they may see him.